our body into, a, into alignment with your divine order. And Father, I thank you for having your hand upon her daughter as well. And that her daughter is set free from that spirit of bondage in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Father, I thank you. Father, there's several others that we're standing for and that we're believing for. Father, I put you in remembrance of that list that we prayed. Father, I'm not going to call out the names because I don't want to embarrass anyone. But, Lord, I put you in remembrance that on January 1st that we brought, we brought the names of many people to you that needed salvation. They needed to come to know you personally and intimately. And so, Father, I bring them before you once again. And, Father, we thank you, or I should say we bring them before you once again. And, Father, we thank you that you're working in their hearts. You're working in their minds. You're working in their thoughts, feelings, and emotions. You're working in their spirits. You're leading them to truth. And, Father, not only are you working in them and leading them to truth, but, Father, you've also given them a desire to respond. And so, Father, I thank you by faith that, there, that, that all of those people on the list are, are saved, born again, filled with the Spirit, serving you in their house, in your house, that they've come to the place of revival, that their life has been completely turned and changed, and, Father, we give you the glory and the honor. Now, Father, as we approach your word tonight, I ask that you give us the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. I ask that you think and speak through Michael's, that you, that you think through mine and Michael's mind, that you speak through our lips, that you use our, pen, our, our tongue as the pen of the ready writer, that you give every person that hears this word a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge, that you open up their eyes that they may see, and open up their ears that they may hear the truth. And, Father, above all, that you'd prepare the ground of their heart to be good ground, that they'd receive the word upon the good ground of their heart. And, Father, we bind Satan off of them, and we command Satan, you will not come to steal, kill, or destroy the word that's sowed in, in Jesus' name. But, Father, that seed will be planted, that seed will, it will be watered, that seed will begin to grow, and that seed will produce in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen and amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Genesis chapter 1. This is prayer and healing school. Well, what is prayer and healing school? Well, this is where we teach you how to pray biblically, how to be healed biblically, how to, how to uh, help people to receive healing biblically. Uh, there's a lot of ideas out there that uh, there's a lot of ideas out there about God that aren't accurate. There's a lot of ideas out there about how to pray that aren't accurate. There's a lot of ideas out there about um, is it God's will to heal and various things, um, but it's nothing more than people's ideas. And the reason it's nothing more than people's ideas is because they're basing it off of what mama told them, what granny told them, what aunt or uncle told them, what their friend or their co-worker told them, instead of what the Word of God actually says. And uh, we want to find out what the Word actually says. And uh, so we're going to see a few things here about what the Word actually says. And uh, I want you to turn here in Genesis chapter 1. And we're going we're gonna to kind of skip around just a little bit in this chapter. I want you to turn to verse 26. And let's begin to read right here. <coughs> and God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. He said, then God said, which means God spoke. God spoke, and he said, let us make man in our image. Now, some people will tell you that God is one, 
and that he uh, manifests himself in three different ways. Well, if God is one and he said, let us make man in our own image, if he's, if he's singular and only singular, but he manifests in three different ways, in order for God to speak, let us make man in our own image, he'd have to be speaking to himself. Uh, and, and when he says let us, he, that means that he has to see himself as plural. And, and, and if, if we saw somebody on the street that was talking to themselves and having like, a, a, like an actual conversation with themselves, and you said, hey, who are you talking to? And you said, oh, I'm talking to myself. Um, and, and at the moment, I'm, I'm John, and, you know, and, but I'm talking to myself, Bill, and I'm talking to myself, oh, I don't know, Mark. Um, you're, what are we going to think? They have a multiple personality disorder. God does not have a multiple personality disorder. God is three in one. He is the Father. He is the Father God. He is the Lord Jesus, and He is the Holy Ghost. They are three separate entities, we could say, but they're one God. They're one God. So when He said. Let us make it when this is when God the Father said, Let us make man in our image. He was talking to Jesus and the Holy Ghost. That's who he was talking to. Go to Genesis chapter or Genesis 1 1. I want to show you something here. Genesis 1 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Let's keep going. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Glory to God. I want you to notice it said, In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. In the original text, it's actually said, In the beginning, Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim. Elohim in the original language actually means, it's actually, it's not a singular, it's a plural. It actually means that there's more than one. It actually, literally what it means is rulers, not ruler, but rulers, judges, not judge, but judges, multiples, um, spiritual ones, meaning multiple. So when the scriptures were first written, when Moses wrote these first scriptures, and he said, in the beginning, God, he, he basically, what he was saying is the three-part God, the three-part God, when he, he, when he, in, in, he was in the beginning and he created the heaven and earth, what is the three-part God? Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Right. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. So he's a three-part being. Oh, I want you to go look at, so he said, he said, um, let's go look at, first, hold your place in Genesis because we're coming back, but I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So kind of go to Revelations and work your way backwards. 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. And every God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Look at what it says. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly that word holy is, is, is it means completely and I pray that your whole spirit your whole soul and your whole body be preserved blameless blameless what does this tell us this tells us that we have three parts right we have a spirit a soul and a body God has three parts the Father God, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Ghost. Okay? 
What is the spirit, the soul, and the body? Well, the spirit is the real you. That's the eternal part of you. That's the part of you that's going to live forever and ever and ever. What is the soul? The soul is your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. That's your personality. Now, your soul is going to go the way of what you feed on. If you are led by your spirit, your soul will go the way of the spirit. If you are always feeding your flesh, your soul, your thoughts, feelings, and emotions are going to go the way of the flesh. See, your, your soul, it, 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 it'll go based on whatever you feed it. Whatever, you, whatever direction you tell it to go is the direction it'll go. Then your body is this thing right here. This thing right here. This is your house. It, this, is, this is the house. This is, this is what stores your, your, uh, stores your soul and your spirit. Your body, because we are cursed with the curse, because the curse entered into the world, our bodies, see, when God created Adam and Eve, they were created in God's image. We just saw that in verse 26. He said, let us create man in our image. We were created in the image of God. We were actually created as immortal creatures. We were never meant to die. We were never meant to experience sickness. We were never meant to experience disease. In fact, the scriptures tell us that our physical flesh is a corrupted body. I got news for you. When you get to heaven, you're not going to look like you do right now. Why? Because our flesh has been corrupted. Everybody's all concerned about the color of their skin. Well, honey, you don't even know the true color of your skin. When you get, to he- when, when you get glorified, your flesh is going to change colors. I tell Derek all the time. I said, Derek, I said, I'm going to become a little less papaya and a, more, and a little more mocha. And I said, Derek, you're going to become a little less, more, a little less mocha, and the Lord's going to add some papaya to your skin. When we look at the description of Jesus, Jesus is described as being bronze-colored. See, when the curse entered, even our physical flesh was distorted. We don't look like we used to look. But when God glory, but at some point we're going to put off mortality and we're going to put on immortality and we're going to look more like, then we're going to look like God actually created us to look like. Well, I thought this has healing school. Well, it is. See, in order to walk in divine health, you have to understand that what you're dealing with is not God's original design. You have to understand Whatever sickness you're dealing with is not part of the original design. If you were born with some type of sickness or ailment, God didn't give that to you. The curse gave that to you. Now, does that mean mom and daddy were cursed with a curse? Maybe, but not necessarily. Because you can be, I'll give you an example. Brother Randy and Miss Patty, they were both living for God. Miss Patty never had a boyfriend a day in her life until she met Brother Randy at the age of 30. She was living clean. She was living holy. Now, Brother Randy's story is an entirely different story. You know, he spent over 10 years of his life in prison. But he had got, God had gotten a hold of him and got him supernaturally delivered, and he was living holy then. And he had repented and gotten clean and gotten right and was doing everything right and had been living that way for years. When they had their son, Randall, Satan was out to take that child out from the beginning. In fact, during the pregnancy, um, the, the doctors, told, uh, according to what the doctors said, um, the, the Randall, the, uh, in an embryo state, did not attach to the womb like he was supposed to. And they said, you're going home. You're on complete and total bed rest. If you, yeah, the, they, they told, her mama went with her. And the doctors told her mama, if she gets out of that bed, she'll lose the baby. I mean, big deal. I mean, Tried to take him out when he was little, 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 when he was still in the womb. Well, then when he was born, he had a lot of health problems. And he'd have seizures, and they couldn't figure out why. And, the, the, you know, and, the, and Andy was in the room, and, and they were having a fight to save Randall's life. He was born premature, and uh, they were having a fight to save his life. And the doctor had to kick Randy out of the room. And, he, and, and, and the doctor said to Randy, he said, I, I don't know if I can, he said, he said, I don't know, he said, I need you out of the room. I don't know if I'm going to be able to save your son or not, but if there's any chance, you've got to get out of the room. And Randy looked at him 
And Randy said, I tell you what, you do your job and I'll, you do your part and I'll do my part and the, and the Lord will do the rest and my son will be fine. What did Randy do? He went and got a hold of God. The doctor did his part. And for months, they dealt with Randall. For months. I mean, they had an emergency phone when mobile phones were not a thing yet. They dealt with him, and Randy was home with him one day and walking the floor. I'm, I'm just I'm making this thing this long and involved, this short, short. But long story short, he was at the house with Randall. Patty was out and about and uh, doing, you know, groceries and all of that. And uh, he was pacing the floor, praying in the Holy Ghost. And the Lord showed him. That's a demon causing those seizures in your son. Cast the demon out. And so he, he called, he, when Patty got home, he said, Patty, Patty, Patty. He said, I know what it is. It's a, it, it's a demon bringing that seizure on our son. So when Randall would start to have a seizure, up until this point, every time he'd start to have a seizure, they'd run him to the hospital, fighting for his life. When the Lord showed him it was a demon, he began. He he he. They could tell because Randall's body get real stiff and rigid. He'd go over there and he'd scoop up Randall and he'd command the devil to release him and let him go. And immediately the seizure would stop and it was fine. Well, this went on for some period of time. Um, now, did that demon get a hold of of Randall because Randy and Patty were in some type of sin? No, no. That happened because we live in a dying and a cursed world. But thank God God gave him the answer. Now, let me fast forward 30, 30 years. Randall is alive and well today. They said that he'd be a vegetable all the days of his life. Not only is he alive and well, he was a, he was a pilot. Or he is a pilot. Well, I mean, yeah, he, he's not just a pilot. He is a captain. He is an instructor. He's a head safety. He was. He's, he's kind of gotten out of that. He was the head safety guy for um, a, a big private jet company. He flies. In, he flies big, big people with big money and big influence. He flies them around, um, and he's the head of the game. He was the youngest pilot. I think he still holds the title. The youngest pilot. He works for Jetlinks. He's the youngest pilot in Jetlinks history. And he's at the top of their business. He's, he's the pilot that everybody wants. I mean, he's, he's top, top, top. Graduated college, top of his class. I mean, but how do you do it? Through the power of God. But see, I want you to understand, his body came under attack, but he learned from a young boy who he was in Christ. Notice what he said. He said that the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, I pray that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. See, his body came under attack, but his spirit didn't. His body came under attack, or his soul came under attack, thoughts, feelings, emotions, how his body functioned came under attack, but not his spirit. And, and he's followed the Lord all the days of his life, and he's had a good outcome. Glory to God. But see, God, notice what he said here. This is now, this is Paul writing, but he's writing under the inspiration of, of God, of the Holy Spirit. And he says, so, so he said, I want you to be full of peace and sanctified holy. In other words, the Holy Spirit wants you completely whole, spirit, soul, and body. Well, how do you get there? Well, you need to understand some things about the word. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Glory to God. Glory to God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. image. In our image. Which means, if God's three in one, we're three in one. If we, and, and let's read a little bit more. Let's read just a little bit more. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish Stop of right the there. sea. Let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. What is dominion? Dominion is authority. 
Dominion means to have rule. What did I say Elohim means? Elohim means ruler, judge, or gods. Judges, gods, rulers, spiritual rulers, spiritual judges, spiritual, um, they're gods. They're gods. That's what they are. So when God created us, he created us to be, check it out, God created us to be judges. He created us to be rulers. He created us to be gods. Now, this is little g God. When you read your Bible, there's a difference between big G God, little g God. When you read big G, when you read the word God, and it's a capital, it's talking about the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. Yep. That's what it's talking about. When it reads little g God, it means rulers, princes, magistrates, those that have dominion. Most of the time, it's talking about, um, it's, it's referencing demonic spirits. Most of the time. But... There are times that when it says when it's a little g, it simply means you're the ruler of a region. A ruler of a region. God created us to have dominion. He created us to be little g gods over our realm of influence. Little g God. We are the God of our life. It's up to us if we want to make the big G God God or if we want to do it in and of ourselves. What was the big what was the big lie that Satan told Adam and Eve? He said, "Oh, oh, if you'll eat of this tree, you'll be like little G gods. You'll be like little G gods." Guess what? We were created to be little G gods. He's selling something that already belonged to us. Come on. The original snake oil salesman? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if that's in there. Is that in there? Oh, yeah, it's in there. Look right here. You're in, look right here. In uh, verse 5 of chapter 3, this is Satan talking through the serpent. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, little g, little g knowing gods. good and evil. Be little g gods. He said, the day you eat of the tree, you'll be like little g gods. What did God say in verse 26? He said, let us make man in our image or mankind in our image in our likeness and let them have what? Dominion. Dominion. And let them be gods. What are we supposed to be gods over? It says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God made us little g-gods over all the earth. But we sit through life going, Woe is me. Woe is me. <laughs> Whatever comes, comes. I've got no control over have, my life. I have no control. No, you have control. You're not using your control. You have authority. You're not using your authority. God gave us control and authority in the garden. And Satan stole it in the garden. See, right there, you said Satan stole it. I sure did. But Jesus got it back. Jesus got it back. Jesus got his power back for us. Go to Matthew. Let's go see this. Go to Matthew. Mm -hmm. Chapter 28, verse 18. Matthew twenty eight eighteen. These are the words of Jesus. What did he say? And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Where does Jesus have power? In heaven and in earth. In, 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 does he have a little bit of power? Nope. All Some of it. power. All power. So Jesus has all power in the earth. Isn't that what God gave to, to mankind back there in the garden? Well, it's more than what he gave to... Yeah. Mankind in the garden, I would say. Right? But remember, he said, let them have dominion over all the earth. Yes. And here Jesus said, I have all power or dominion, authority. It's been given to me in heaven and in the earth. He has heavenly power and he has earthly power. 
Oh, my goodness. Let's keep going. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Look at that. Look at that. He said baptizing them in the what? Baptizing them in, the, in, in my three personality defects. No. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. If God has to use all three parts of himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, you're going to have to do the same thing. You're going to have to be led by your spirit. How much you know Jesus was led by the Father? Jesus said what the Father said. Jesus did what the Father said to do. The Holy Spirit does what Jesus says, and the Holy Spirit says what Jesus says. So guess what? Who's the lead in your life? Your spirit. Who does the talking out of your mouth? No, it's not a trick question. Your soul? Your soul. Your soul's the one that's in control of what you say. But your soul should be subject to your spirit. Your soul should only say and do what your spirit tells it to say and do. Just like, just like Jesus is subject to the Father, your soul should be subject to your spirit. True. If you're going to go somewhere, what's going to take you? Your spirit, your soul, or your body? Your body. Your body. Your body's the one that tells the feet how to go. But does your body, so the question is, is your, what, what, what voice are your feet listening to? Your feet should be listening to your spirit, to your spirit. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. We need to say to our flesh, soul, you will only say and feel, check this out, you will only say and feel what the spirit says and feels. Do you hear me? You need to tell your flesh, you need to tell your spirit, your soul, your thoughts, your feelings, and emotions. We're, we're not listening to the body today. See, because your body will tell you you're sick. Your body will tell you you're diseased. Your body will tell you you're going to the grave. Your body will tell you you don't have enough supply. Your body will tell you you don't have enough to go. You'll wake up, and if you wake up in the morning and you say, body, how do you feel today? Your body's going to say, man, this bed feels so good. I think we just need to stay right here and not move. <laughs> what's, your soul, what's your spirit say? Your spirit says, get up and praise the Lord. Take authority and dominion. Body, get up. Body, get up. Get up. The reason most Christians don't get healed is because they're waiting on God to do something and they're not doing something themselves. Their spirit is saying, get up! And they're going, my body's telling me I'm not healed. Stop listening to your body. Stop it. Let's read the next verse. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He said, all power and authority has been given to me. He said, go teach. And then he says, he says, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He said, my power, my authority, my ability goes with you wherever you go. What's the first, who's the first person you need to teach? You. Yourself. Your soul. Your soul and your body. The first person you need to preach to is yourself. So many people hear a good message and they're like, man, my friend Bob could really use that word. I can't wait to go <laughs> give Bob my message. And Bob's looking at you going, uh, dude, I know you. I got your number, Jack. You're telling me I need to fix my life. How about you fix your life? No. First place you need to start is with yourself. The first person you need to preach to is yourself. The first person you need to teach is yourself. Teach yourself to follow the word. Teach yourself. Get a hold of yourself. Self, get out of this bed. Well, I'm just not a fan of the shower. Body, you stink. Get in the shower. 
I just, I'd rather sleep 10 minutes and put on extra cologne. We ain't doing that. All that does is make us smell twice as bad. Because now you smell like B.O. and you smell like too much cologne. Get in the shower, body. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just using it as an example. She's just you, saying how she does it every morning. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to get, I'm, listen, I'm not a morning person. Get up, body. Get up. Get out of the bed. Move, body, move. Go to get up. I got metal in my back. If I had done it man's way, I'd be on disability and in the bed. I said, I can't do that. I wouldn't. My spirit won't let me do that. No. How you're going to overcome sickness is you've got to put faith, you've got to put action to your faith. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. Now, this seems like we're a little bit all over the board, but we're not. We're getting some things accomplished here. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. Oh, I'm in 2 Peter. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, <clears throat> Who his own self bear our sins in his body, in his own body, on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Glory to God. He said, who his own self, talking about Jesus, bore our sins on his body. Jesus doesn't understand sin. No, he does understand that he became one with sin, that you might be healed. He took your sins on his own flesh. How did he do that? He took the penalty of sin. All, he came acquainted with all sickness and disease. There is not a sickness or disease in your body that Jesus does not understand because he suffered every type of sickness and disease on the cross. And he pays there's, the penalty for it. There's, no, there's nothing that you suffer that Jesus can't understand the weight of it. The, uh, it's in his body on the cross that we being dead to sin. Now, this is critical. If you want to walk in divine health, you have to become dead to sin. This is critical. You cannot continue to sin. You cannot continue to choose to do wrong when you know to do right and expect God to heal you. If you have blood sugar issues, you cannot eat sugar and expect sugar to not affect you negatively. Somebody's looking at me with a goofy face. Let me explain that. If, you, if your body doesn't break down sugars and you fill it with a lot of sugar, your sugar is going to skyrocket and it's going to create a whole, kind of, a whole cascade of problems in your body. People lose, lose, lose feet and legs because of it. People lose eyesight. People die prematurely because of it. You have to control it. On the other side, if it's a situation like Pastor Mike has dealt with, where your body, you eat sugar and your body goes, Woo! Let's inject some insulin. And your sugar goes from up here to down here. And you can put yourself in a, in a diabetic coma in an instant of time. Uh, you better not eat sugar. Or if you do, you do it in small doses and you eat it with protein. You're wise about it. You use wisdom about it. If you have pain problems, you don't, you know, bad knee issues, walking, whatever your issue is, you have to understand it was put on the cross. If God tells you, uh, you're, oh, Lord, I'm believing for you to heal my lungs, but you're smoking. You might as well just quit believing. Listen, if you're smoking, I don't care if you're smoking cigarettes. I don't care if you're puffing wacky weed. I don't care if you're, if you're inhaling liquid blueberry popsicle. I don't care what it is. If you're sucking stuff into your lungs that don't belong and you're going, Jesus, I thank you that you're my healer and that I have the breath of life in my lungs, you might as well just quit confessing because your confessing ain't going to do a thing for you. Those blueberry popsicles going to kill you. Why? Because you're still sinning. Oh, I'm preaching real good. Now it's getting quiet. Don't look at me that tone of voice. Come on. No. He said, come on. Come on. You can't be gambling your money away and say, Woo! Jesus, you're going to make me a high roller winner at the 
the table. No, that ain't going to work. You're blowing what God's given you to prosper. You're sowing seed in the wrong spot. No, he said that we, being dead to sin. Now, Dad Hagen used to say it this way. He said, he said, smoking will only half kill you. Half kill you, right? Why? Because you can't taste anything. You can't, you, everything's all burned up, can't taste anything, can't smell anything. And uh, he said, and you smell bad, so you're only walking around half dead. He said, he said eventually, eventually cancer or something get a hold of you and you'll die from that. But for the most part, you're walking around half dead. He said, but the one sin that will absolutely kill you is the sin of worry. Did you know worry is a sin? He said, be anxious for nothing. Don't carry the care. Yeah, cannot be in fear and faith at the same time. Why? Because fear is of Satan and faith is of God. You can't. Worry is a sin. Well, I just can't help but worry. Yes, you can. You have authority over your flesh and over your spirit, over your soul. You have authority. Oh, yeah, I'm good at worrying when I, when I choose to worry, but I learn to not worry. When the thought comes, well, what if this happens? What if it does, Satan? God's still got my side. God's still got it. No, he said that we should live. He said that we are to be dead to sin. Listen, you are never going to get away from the opportunity to sin. You're going to have an opportunity to sin every day of your life. And everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, you're going to have an opportunity. The, the question is, is are you going to take the bait or not? You're going to have an, a sickness, an opportunity to get sick is going to come. Are you going to take the opportunity or not? Now, when, when it talks about being dead to sin, it doesn't mean physically. This, this, is, this is God's way of saying that, you're, you're, that you have to stop your body from reacting to sin or right. to rising to the temptation of that sin. So your spirit and your mind have to get in alignment and make your body not react to that right. temptation and therefore not sin. He said that we being dead to sin should, I wish I didn't put that should in there, but he's just giving us a little ray of hope, should live on to righteousness. It should, in my opinion, the Holy Ghost should have just said, we're be, we being dead to sin alive on to righteousness. I think right there he was, he was pretty much... Uh, Going, yeah, y'all shouldn't be sinning, but hey. But you are. <laughs> Come on. Instead of sinning, we should be living on to righteousness. What does that mean? Living on to righteousness it means that every time we face a decision, we choose the right direction. That's what it means every single time. And then check out what he says. He said, if you're living sin-free, you're living on to righteousness, then, then by whose stripes you, check this out, you might eventually become healed. Nope. Nope. We were healed. You already are healed. It's already been done. It's already been accomplished. Many people don't get healed because they're living in future tense. They're saying, I will be healed. I will be healed. I will be healed. I will be able to walk again. I will be pain-free again. I will get my manifestation of a creative miracle. God will give me a brand new heart. Honey, will never happen. Will never comes. No. Go to Mark eleven twenty three. Go to Mark eleven twenty three. Which way is Mark? Hmm? Mark well, eleven twenty three. From Peter, it's pretty easy. <laughs> Mark twenty three. <laughs> The end of 22 says, have faith in God, which means have faith like God. Yep. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Now I want you to look at the second half of verse 23. It says, starting with 
um, things which he saith. Well, let's just read. Verily, verily, he said, Verily I say unto you that whatsoever, uh, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not die in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. If you believe in what you are saying, you shall have what you say. So you can have all the faith in the world. I will be healed. Then eventually, at some point in the future, once you decide that it stops being in the future, you will be healed. You will be healed. Yep, but tomorrow, what did First Peter 2.24 say? Tomorrow never comes. Right. What did First Peter 2.24 say? It you were healed. See, here's what you have to understand. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. Keeping this in mind, I want you to go back to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read this this way. I'm not going to let the anointed reader 26 read. 26 again? Nope. I'm going to read it this way. I'm, I'm going to bypass the anointed reader for a minute because I'm going to make a point here. I know, right? Because I'm, I'm going to make a, re, um, make a point here. In the beginning, for chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, There will be light, and, light will, and, and there will, and, 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 and eventually light was. No. And God saw, eventually, and God, he couldn't see it. Why? Because he said will. And God hoped for light, and the light that he hoped for was good. And God hoped that the, the light would divide the, the light from the darkness, and God hoped that the light of day. It doesn't read that way, does it? No. I'm glad you didn't make me try to read that. Right? <laughs> right? Did, was, did God speak present tense or future tense? He spoke present tense. There was no light when God said, let there be light. But once he spoke it, because he believed that what he said he had, God said, let there be light. Science proves this. Science actually proves that, that it, at a time in the past, there was absolute nothingness. And then, all of the sudden, there was light. There was the Big Bang. There was light. There was nothing, and then boom, there was matter. Where did the matter come from? Science doesn't know because science is trying to prove it with absolute proof. Well, we know exactly absolute where the light, where the matter came from. God spoke, and it existed. Now, let me explain this to you about sickness and disease. With God, there's no question it was utter darkness. Look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. Verse 1. In the beginning, God wow. created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2. And the earth was without form and void. We understand this. In the beginning, there was no form, there was void, and darkness. We know that. Science backs that up 100%. We know this is true. But did God say, oh, I just wish this darkness would go away. Someday the light will come. If God had been doing that, we'd still been waiting on the light. Right. No, what did God say? In the midst of utter darkness, he said, light be. And light was. In the midst of pain, you have to say, I have no pain. In the midst of sickness, you have to say, sickness, go. I be gone. Healed. In the midst of sickness, you have to say, I am healed. In the midst of disease, you have to say, I no longer have the disease. Why? Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Amen. What God said, we were created in his image, and what God says he obtains, and what we say we obtain. What we say we obtain. Your words create your future. I want you to stop and think for a minute. Are there things that you have said in the past, like, I just can't get ahead in this world. 
I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Every time I turn around, some sickness attacks my body. Every time I think, every time I, every time I take a step forward, I take two steps backwards. Every time this happens, that happens. Man, if I didn't have any luck, I wouldn't have any luck. If I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. You ain't got nothing but bad luck in your life. Oh, you know, I just, I, I, I get, you know, every time I turn around, people are just leaving my life. Are there things that you said that you now have? Of course there are. Why? Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. Now, now some will say, well, you have to believe what you say for it to come to pass. The word says that. The word says you have to believe it. Now, Derek, I'm going to pick on you a second. Say, I'm healed. Doesn't sound like he really believes it or he really means it. Say, I'm healed. Okay, it's getting a little bit more. I'm healed. Right? Woo, he's got a little you're, fight in him. You're getting better there. Say, I'm healed. Say, I'm healed. Okay, so the more you say it, the more you will become to believe it. That's my point. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life. Death and life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. How much do you know light be was in the power of God's tongue? It's in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The things that you speak over now. Now let me let me balance this out. We saw in we saw in Mark eleven twenty three that those things which you believe, just because you say, "Well, I'm healed of the Lord," one time doesn't make you automatically healed, because the reality is, is the first time you say it, you don't believe it. That's the reality. Why? Because your body's telling you something incredibly different. Incredibly different. I've worked with people that have had chronic illnesses for years. And they come to me and they say, I heard you. I've been saying it. I've been saying it. I've been saying it. And nothing's changing. Nothing's moving. And I guess I just don't have the faith for it. I said, stop right there. Stop right there. You've been dealing with this, this illness for a year, five years, ten years, twenty years. You've been dealing with it your entire life. And for your entire life, you've been saying, I, I have this sickness. I'm going to have to deal with it for the rest of my life. You are not going to overcome those words with a day or two days or even a week of confessing. Why? Because you've got to undo what you used to believe. How are you going to undo what you, does that mean, if I've been dealing with a sickness for 30 years, does that mean I have to walk in faith for 30 years before I receive the healing? No, thank God, God doesn't work on the one-for-one ratio. But you do have to confess it. You do have to get in the Word long enough that you begin to change your thinking. You begin to change what you, actually, you've got to begin to change what you believe. Lillian Yeoman, go ahead. So I want to I want to interject here just for a second and maybe kick a sacred cow a little bit, but this is no, this is not magic. You can't just declare anything you want. Glory to God, and it's going to happen. Uh, I can't sit here and say a thousand times that I'm a cat and poof, I'm a cat. Um, it doesn't work that way. It, it, the things that you the things that you declare have to line up with the word of God. Zach cannot declare that he's a woman a thousand times and suddenly he's a woman. I hate it for you, but that's the way it works. But you can say it to you can say it so many times that you begin to believe it's true even though it's not. Right, and then you're moving into mental illness. But yes, well, you have what you say. You can convince yourself that something's not the way it is. Right. But that you doesn't can. mean it's going to, that God's not going to make that happen. Right. Yeah. It's not how it's going to work. Lillian B. Yeoman, she was a doctor um, years and years ago, and she, she was under so much pressure to help her patients 
that she actually got over into uh, prescribing herself uh, some some pretty hardcore medications and actually ended up as a drug addict herself and ended up losing her license. And she wasn't doing it because she was looking for a high. She was just trying to keep herself awake to be able to take care of the patients. She was under so much pressure. She ended up losing her license, but she still had a desire to help people. But she got a hold of, you can have what you say. She got a hold of the truth of the word of God. She got a hold of the truth that Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. So her and her sister had a, had a two-story house, and they called it the healing house. And so what she would do is she would take in, they could, only, they could only take in four or five patients at a time, I believe it was, and she would take in, her and her sister would take in people that the doctors had basically said, there's nothing left we can do, go home and die. There's nothing left. There's, there's nothing, absolutely, there's no hope for you. You are going to die. That's what it's going to do. That's what's going to happen. Well, Lillian, Yoda, uh, uh, Lillian and her sister would bring these people in as they had a bed available. And there was one woman they brought in that had tuberculosis. And, tubercul- and, and this woman was so far gone in tuberculosis that she was in and out of consciousness. Well, Lillian B. Yeoman what she would do is she would get up in the morning and she would go through her Bible, Genesis to Revelations, and she would read the healing scriptures to this woman, just the healing scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. She'd read all the scriptures to her. And then she would tell her. She'd read Galatians 3.13 to her. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus has redeemed you from the curse. And she'd tell the, she told the dear woman, she said, I want every waking moment, I want you to confess that tuberculosis is of the curse and that Jesus Christ has redeemed you from the curse and therefore you no longer have tuberculosis. And the woman said, why, why am I confessing this? Why am I confessing this? She said, she said, I don't understand. I don't understand. She said, dear sister, just every waking moment, I want you to uh, say these words. So she would. So the woman would do it as she was in and out of consciousness. And then every evening, Lillian would come in and sit down and read the healing scriptures to her. And she'd tell her, now, dear sister, every waking moment, I want you to confess. Tuberculosis is of the curse. According to Deuteronomy 28, tuberculosis is of the curse. According to Galatians 3.13, Jesus has redeemed me from the curse. Therefore, I no longer have tuberculosis. And the woman said, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? It just, those words don't mean a thing to me. She said, just keep doing it. Well, this went on for, for a little while. I think about a week or so this went on. Well, Lillian and her sister were down in the kitchen cooking soup for the, for the patients because that's about all that they could do was eat some soup. And all of a sudden, they heard this racket upstairs. They heard this incredible racket upstairs and coming down and then, and, and then that racket come down the stairs. And they looked up. And when they looked up, that woman that had tuberculosis come busting through the kitchen door going, Dr. Yeoman, Dr. Yeoman, Dr. Yeoman. She said, yes, honey, what is it? She said, according to Deuteronomy 28, tuberculosis is of the curse, but Jesus Christ has redeemed me. Therefore, I no longer have tuberculosis. I'm completely healed. I'm completely whole. I'm completely restored. Now, remember, she, she was in and out of consciousness. She had no strength in her body to even lift her head, nonetheless carry herself down the stairs. But see, it hit her spirit, and she finally believed it. And when she confessed it with faith, the supernatural healing power of God hit her body, and she was completely restored. And Lillian looked at her, and she said, Dear sister, she said, that's what I've been trying to tell you since the day you got here. See, Lillian wasn't all, Woo! Oh, my God, the word's true. Lillian said, Well, honey, that's what I've been telling you since you got here. But see, what had to happen was the woman had to get a hold of, you can have what you say. She had to get a hold of. She had to say it enough times that she believed it. The difference between us and God is when God said, let there be light, he believed it the first time. The problem with us is we tend to go, we will be healed. We will be restored. We will be brand new. We will get there. It will happen. I'm waiting on God. No, honey, God's waiting on you. Healing 
requires faith. Faith requires an action. You know, and we're not picking on Derek by any means. Derek's been around us long enough. He allows us to use us as a golden example. But, you know, if you were here for this morning's service, you know that Pastor Michael, under the unction of the Holy Ghost, said, What are you doing, son? Are you, are you in faith or are you not? God challenged him. That wasn't Pastor Michael. Y'all know anything about him. You know he doesn't behave that way. And Derek got to thinking about it. And so we were at lunch. And Derek said, You know what? He said, God's right. God's right. I don't need this walker. I am the healed of the Lord. He said, I've been thinking about getting rid of that thing, and now I just need to just, I need to just take a step of faith, and I just need to do it. And praise God, he's been doing it ever since. Here he is. He doesn't have the walker. He's got the faith. Now, does that mean that he's 100% pain-free? No. Does it mean that he's 100% stable on his feet confidently and he's ready to go run a marathon? No. doesn't mean that at all. But what it does mean is he's applying, he's, he's putting action to his faith. He's putting, he's, he's un, he understands, I am like God. I'm not God, but through Christ I am like God. And what I say has to come to pass. And I say that I am the healed of the Lord. Therefore, I am going to walk by faith. I'm going to move by faith. And I'm healed by faith. And he is. Glory to God. Glory to God. I've had to do the same thing. Michael's had to do the same thing. We have a rule in our house. It's called the three-day rule. It's called the three-day rule. Now, see... In our house growing up, we were a little, we were trained a little differently. We were trained that if you were too sick to go to school or too sick to go to work, that meant you go to the doctor and you get a shot and you get back to work. So to lay down when sickness hits is not real easy for me. I just get up and push through. Michael, on the other hand, his family raised him a little different. Oh, honey, you have a sniffle or if it don't feel good, just lay in the bed eventually. Healing will come eventually. Just just suffer as long as it takes. It's the way he was raised. So, in our household, we have what's called the three-day rule. That means that I'll have love and compassion on you for three days. But on the third day, the first day, I'm sorry you don't feel good. I know he's going to be laying down. Second day, I know he's going to be pitiful and I'll have some mercy on him. The third day, mid-morning, sometime the third day, I'll look at him and say, today is day three. You have two choices. You can get up and go to the doctor and get some medicine and get to feeling better. Or you better get to praying and start acting on your faith because the compassion is gone. The compassion is gone. And most of the time, 90 plus, probably 98, 99% of the time, Michael will kind of grumble at me. And within an hour or so, he's up and he's moving by faith. But, see, he doesn't have to stay in the storm for three days. He could make that choice the first day. And I'm not picking on him by any means because three days is a whole lot better than what he was raised with. And he's gotten to where a lot of times he doesn't even take the three days. A lot of times he doesn't. I don't even want to wait till I'm fully sick. Huh? I don't even want to wait till I'm fully sick. Yeah, he, a lot of times he's like, mm. And he's good. He'll, he'll, and I'll, he'll kind of make a little funny face and I'll go, what's going on? He'll go, nothing, I'm healed. Nothing, I'm healed. He don't even want to take the three days anymore a lot of times. But see, we have to understand we are created in God's image. And God said that we have dominion, authority, power, might, and ability. God said we can have what we say. Notice in Proverbs, I'm I'm closing right here, but notice in Proverbs it says death and life. It doesn't say life and death. It says death and life. And I asked the Lord one day, I said, Lord, why does it say, I said, Father, you are the God of life. Why does your word say death and life? Why does it put death before life? I said, it would seem to me that you, being the God of life, would want life first. And and the Father God said, oh, honey, he said, that's real easy. I said, why? Because I'm thinking, it ain't easy to me. I don't comprehend it. He said, well, that's real easy. And I said, why is that? He said, because the tongue will speak death before it ever speaks life. I said, what? He said, your tongue, because it's under the curse, will speak death before it will ever speak life. What did I say in the beginning? 
You have to train your soul and your flesh to obey your spirit. If you don't train your flesh and your soul, it will automatically speak death to your relationships, death to your physical flesh, death to your finances, death to your household. You've got to train your body to speak life. I'm going over. I'm not going under. I'm a doer of the word. I am the healed of God. When your body wants to scream, announce it to the world. You have sickness, pain, and you're going to the grave. You've got to say, uh, shut up, Bobby. I am not saying that. I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm living a long life. I'm, through, I'm running my run to its full completion. I'm running it all the way to the end. I'm not coming up short. I'm not coming up short. Mom, I'm going to run my race. Everything that the Lord has put in my heart, I'm going to fulfill it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to get aggravated. I'm not going to get frustrated. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get depressed. I'm not going to get down. I'm not going to get out. For what God has told me, I'll do. I'll do it and I'll run it and I'll, and I'll complete it with gladness. I'm going to run my race. But see, if you let your body dictate, if you let your soul dictate, your feelings, your thoughts, and your emotions your thoughts and your emotions will begin to tell you it's never going to come to pass. It's never going to happen. You're not going to get your healing until you go on over to glory. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to get that thing that the Lord dropped in your heart. It's not going to come to pass. You might as well just quit and give up. No. What does your spirit say? What does your spirit say? Well, glory to God. A little bit of a different flow tonight. A little bit of... Different area to go tonight. Uh, maybe not quite as cut and dry as it normally is, but the Lord just kind of kept impressing upon me. I want you to talk to them about their tongue. I want you to talk to them about that they are gods in me and under me and in Christ, through Christ, by Christ. They are gods. It, how their life turns out is in their hands. If they walk in health or sickness, it's in their hands based on what they say too often uh, we're saying the right things but we're not putting any action behind it and then other times we're not even saying the right things we got to say the right things we got to do the right things we got to know who we are in christ we have to know that we're made in the image of god we have to know that our authority power might and dominion is in the power of our words we have to know that we've got to control our thoughts, feelings, and emotions. We have to know that God wants us prospering. We have to know these things. Why are you going over this? I don't know. The Spirit won't let me go. Let's just pray for a minute. Father, we just come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I've done my best to get across what you want us to get across tonight. Is there anything I'm missing? Is there anything else that you want to say? Is there anything else that you want to do? Is there anything else, Father God? Father, I just thank you that it's coming. I thank you that it's coming to pass. Father, I thank you, Lord. Oh, no. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I hear it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you don't pull anything else from this message tonight, get out of future tense. Quit saying, it will come to pass. Quit saying, I will get my miracle. Quit saying, I will get my healing. Quit saying, I will get what God showed me. Get out of the future tense and get it into present tense. Get into present tense. I have it. If you're waiting on something to come through, just begin to praise God. I'm going to say it this way because this is the way I hear it. If you're waiting on a phone call, Father, I thank you that I have received my phone call. Father, I thank you that I have received my phone call. Father, I thank you that I have received my financial increase. Father, I thank you that I have received my divine healing. Father, I thank you that I have received whatever it is you're, you're believing for. Father, I thank you that I have it. 
now. I have it by faith. Father, I thank you that it's already come to pass. Father, I thank you that I have it. Father, I thank you that it's mine. Father, I thank you that I'm walking in in wholeness. Father, I thank you that you've restored my life. Father, I thank you that I've been set free from sickness and disease. Father, I thank you that I have my complete and total healing. Father, I thank you that I have my restoration miracle. Father, I thank you that I have received my creative miracle. Michael, bring me your hand. Thank you, Lord. His hand was swelled up this morning. I just saw it in the spirit. Father, you know these hands have a work to do. So, Father, I thank you. That this, uh, Father, I ask that, the, uh, actually I don't ask, I command the swelling, the irritation, the inflammation to come out of this hand. Father, whatever, whatever, the, whatever occurred that caused this to happen, we command the hand to be restored completely whole, just as the other, in Jesus' mighty name. Nothing missing, nothing added, nothing broken, nothing torn, nothing ripped, but perfect, just the way you created it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. amen. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. I receive it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Well, Derek, come on by faith tonight. Come on by faith. Glory to God. Glory to God. Might take him a minute or so, but by faith, he's moving. By faith, he's moving. By faith, he's whole. And it's getting easier oh, every step. Oh, it's getting step. easier and easier every step. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. Father, we know before we even ask that the tithe and the offering is blessed. And so, Father, we just thank you that it is. We sow with gladness. And, Father, we thank you that we're not cursed with a curse because we're tithers and we're givers. And we're going over. We're not going under. In fact, we're already over. We're already over. And we're already blessed. Amen. And, Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you that your word is true and your word is working. Amen and amen. You can serve the people. Glory to God. I'm going to be quick, not make you stand there a long time. Glory to God. <laughs> Healed and whole, recovered. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you that all those that we prayed for before service that have cancer, Father, we thank you that the cancer is broken off of their life and that testimonies of your goodness come forth. And, Father, we glorify you and magnify you in Jesus' mighty name. Well, amen and amen. We'll be back Wednesday night. We're going to continue our study on the shepherd. And uh, if you need us in the meantime, don't hesitate to reach out to us.